And, of course, every time Mike comes to Columbia, he gets by BP Skinner Clothiers to get an update on the socks and the ties, the shirts. Did you walk out of there with a big bag of uh, goodies while you are in town? I didn't get to swing by. A oh. uh, little bit... Uh little bit busy this time out, but uh, I've got one more trip to Columbia uh, for basketball, the, the finale, mm-hmm. and uh, I will I will definitely say hello to the venerable Brent Skinner during that trip. Well, I'm sure that maybe you should announce that in advance so he could draw a crowd. <laughs> he's got more business than he knows what to do with. Not that he won't take some more, yeah. but he's doing quite well. He doesn't need any, uh, any solicitation uh vis-a-vis me being there for an appearance. True, true. What a game last now, night, Bill though. Now, Bill mm. came there. That's, oh. that's another story. That's I don't you know, publicize. It's a different, different my, body type. My clothing, a, you know. my clothing appearances, I, I don't publicize. Actually, you know, I, yeah. I do a lot of my clothes, uh, clothes shopping now in Chicago. I'm kind of a Chicago guy. Is that right? Yes. I'm up in Chicago the, quite uh, a bit. The Al, Cap- so. the Al Capone line. Indeed. Indeed. All right, so last night you had number two in the net against number 236, and it it played like and it sounded like two versus one. I mean, the atmosphere, the competition, say what you will about the actual teams. I mean, it was a heck of a basketball game. Yeah, let me start here. Uh, The atmosphere, uh, you know, you you go to more games there than I do, obviously, but I I do – my fair share every season. That's the best atmosphere I've I've seen there in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I that I I don't know where that came from. I like the uh, the cockpit what they're doing to get the students more involved. I thought the students were fantastic. Um, I was really impressed. Hey, look, that's a Wednesday night nine o'clock, and it's a team that while they have shown signs here of of progress of late. Yeah, you know, it's still a team that clearly is, is in a rebuilding year. I, I was really impressed by the crowd and how much they were into it. So kudos to those that uh, that showed up. I thought that really made a difference. It made for great television, that's for sure. And to your other point, uh, I, I don't think I don't think Carolina could play a much better game. I mean, it really did, and had it multiple chances to win it. And in the end, the best player in the building made more plays. Otherwise, uh, you would have seen one of the bigger upsets this season. Okay, so I don't know if you can answer this question as a play-by-play guy, but you're also a talk show host some in Atlanta. you have any problem with him, Brandon Miller, playing last night? Well, I guess you didn't see much of the broadcast, but we we handled, uh, covered this, I should say, from the very jump all the way through. So we we actually we don't normally have a sideline reporter. I mean, I've had Alyssa Lang for a couple of games uh, at Alabama, just kind of more on the lighthearted side. We were not scheduled to have a sideline reporter for this game, and literally in a 24-hour span uh, from the time that news came out, they they called one of the best guys we have in Coley Harvey. Uh, he got on a plane, headed down there. Then there's uh, an email chain and conference calls with, uh, you know, people in in uh, management about how we're going to handle this and what we're going to do. And it was decided we're not going to waste any time. We're going to address it right at the very top, and then a, a second kind of a rehash in the second half. 
what I'll tell you is, from, from my standpoint, the first question out of my mouth was, I'm working with Seth Greenberg, who mm. you know, uh, 22 years as a head coach, several at Virginia Tech and the ACC. Um, and I just said, Coach, what, what, what would your role be in handling all this? And I can tell you initially, Seth, when I first met with him, Seth's a pretty fiery guy. He was all in on, hey, I, I think the kid should be suspended. And then we go to shoot around. We talk with Coach Oates. We get more of the facts. And then all of a sudden, Seth is on the side of, well, it's really up to the university at this point. There's no legal uh, uh, no legal, legal ramifications, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, no charges of any kind. He's cleared from a legal standpoint. And then as more and more of the facts came out, I think uh, a couple of key things, and I'm not going to go over the whole case here and bore your audience, but no matter what you think on this, at least it's important to have the facts right. And and I think that's what we tried to do, at least in the couple of segments that we dedicated to it. It, it, I can't tell you how many people said that it was his gun on social media, on reports, on – I mean, that is a big deal that (laughs) it's not his gun – he didn't bring the gun. He never had possession of the gun. The gun is in the back seat of his car giving a ride to a teammate and his teammate's buddy. Uh, so, you know, look, I think the two people <laughs> that are directly involved with the murder, uh, there's not enough punishment for someone like me. I have no tolerance for someone just going out and firing off 12 rounds and killing an innocent woman. But in the case of Brandon Miller, that, that that is night and day compared to what Brandon Miller's role, if any, is in all this. It's a news story, and it's a tough decision for Nate Oates. And Nate Oates put his foot in his mouth and handled it incorrectly at first with his words. He apologized for that. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't know many coaches in college football and basketball, given those facts, would take their best player on a potential national championship team and kick him off the squad, as some people would suggest. Yeah, I mean, look, he hasn't been charged with anything, and the officials there say they don't have anything to charge him with. I get that. I'll tell you what I've said here to kind of sum it up. It's not our baby. It's It only became our baby because they happened to be coming to Columbia. Had they been going somewhere else, it wouldn't have been such a big deal to us. But since they were coming here, it kind of became a big deal. And where I summed it up was this. I believe he had to know the gun was in the car. Because mm-hmm. when he got the text message, he didn't respond by saying, where's the gun? And apparently he didn't turn around and go back to campus to get the gun. He had to know the gun was in the car. So he drives there. Why didn't he think about why his teammate wanted the gun? He could have prevented this whole thing by saying, I'm not bringing you a gun at 1 o'clock in the morning after you've been out drinking all night, not knowing what kind of trouble you in. You're in now, unless he felt peer pressure by dealing with an older teammate who's a buddy, and maybe he didn't want to try to deal with him in that manner. But also, there's this question that nobody's answered: the policy of the University of Alabama is no firearms, no guns, no weapons on campus. You can't have one. You can't transport one on campus. I gotta believe at some point in time they were on campus with this gun, either in their car or in their residence dorm. And so why is that not a violation of the university policy 
and why was he not impacted by that? Those are the questions I have. All fair questions, all fair points, and I don't have an answer for you. Yeah, nobody does. <laughs> and, and honest, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. And 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 all and always in a case like this, it's a, a bit of he said, uh, she said. But I will tell you this: there is video and audio uh, evidence of everything that went down. Yeah. So there, there's not as much hearsay as you might think. According to the people that I spoke to. They've got all this on tape. So if there was something really incriminating, specifically in the case of Brandon Miller, I find it hard to believe that in a town like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, they'd have any problem pressing charges. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't see that. That's not the way they roll over there. Um, but uh, again, you, somebody brought up a great point to me uh, today. It was a fellow analyst who called me and giving his thoughts. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, there's such a thing as not being guilty, but also not being 100% innocent. Yeah. And and, and innocent in, in terms of, you know, bad judgment. I, I don't think there's any question that there's some bad judgment here. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, again, I have no dog in the fight. And as you mentioned, for a lot of uh, fans, do, do they really care unless it's, they're playing against Alabama or whatever. I don't know. I mean, this became a major story yesterday. I couldn't believe, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. Remember, we're not, it's not football season and it's kind of a slower time of year, but you had people that don't watch a a lick of college basketball all season long that had hot takes ready to go on social media. The moment this news came down and the amount, as I said, it's okay to have an opinion one way or another. I'm not going to argue with you either way. But the amount of people that had just their facts completely wrong yeah. in the process of leading to their opinion, it's just like, if you're going to go public with that, at least have an idea of what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you want to know, you want to get a grasp on it. And as time went on and more and more information came out, I got a, a better understanding. But do you think Nate Oates hurt himself with his comments? Because I happen to believe my philosophy has always been when somebody openly states their opinion and openly states things about an issue and and they're asked a question they give their reply and and there's not a gun to their head they're not being forced to they just openly tell you what they believe I believe that's what they believe now when you go back and retract and you go back and restate and you go back and clarify after you've heard from your higher-ups and others around you in crisis prevention then you're putting out stuff that people are feeding you and they're saying you need to say this to kind of save your rear end here so i tend to go by what you originally say when you say something and it wasn't in the heat of the moment he apparently was at a press conference yesterday and made his comments and then he had to spend the day retracting and the first thing he said uh at his press conference after the game last night was further so-called clarification you think he's hurt himself? I mean, I know his basketball coaching <clears throat> is excellent. He's put together an, an excellent team here. But in, in the public eye outside of Tuscaloosa, do you think he's hurt himself any? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, 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 don't, uh, <clears throat> I don't doubt that in some people's eyes he has. He made a mistake in what he said in the press conference. The biggest mistake he made is that he didn't wait until the actual proceedings were done. They're going on simultaneously to him speaking. What he should have done was just say, well, I, 
I'll know more here in the next hour, and I can answer that. But for now, I really have no comment. Mm-hmm. If he could go back and do that and get a mulligan, he would. But again, we're not dealing with you know professional press secretaries. We're dealing with basketball coaches, and they don't always say the right thing or do the right thing uh, when it comes to addressing the media. So he had to go back. He had to apologize. Kind of came across as insensitive. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, Alabama fans love some Nate Oates uh, because Nate Oates is a hell of a basketball coach that resurrected a program. And I I don't think they're going to turn their backs on Nate Oates because of this. Uh, Will some fans across college basketball, you know, will their opinion of Nate Oates change? Probably. Uh, But I don't, I don't know if that's going to keep the fans of Alabama or even Nate Oates up at night. All right, sir. What you got coming up this weekend? Got Florida Vandy Saturday evening on ESPN2. Uh, Vanderbilt before the loss to LSU was the hottest team in the league. Jerry Stackhouse really had that team going well and, and still might the rest of the year. I don't think anybody wants to play him. They've got a seven-footer in Liam Robbins who is a, a special talent, is finally healthy. Uh, they They've got a really good point guard who's a grad transfer from UCA, UC Davis of all places. And they just play well. Uh, they just play well together. And so uh, they've been fun to watch. I actually enjoy doing uh, Jerry's games. And then Florida, you know, right now Florida without Colin Castleton, just, just fighting to get into the NIT at this mm-hmm. point under first-year coach Todd Golden. All right, last thing we'll let you go. When you look at the SEC, you analyze it here. Who are your locks at this point? Your locks and your bagels. Who is your locks for the uh, NCAA tournament from the SEC, and who are your bagels? I think I'll start that up for my uh, a bracket. Call it Locks and Bagels. Anybody done that one yet? Anybody use that yet? They've already they've stolen my March Madness, so maybe Locks and Bagels can yeah. be mine. Yeah, you invented the Cobb salad too, didn't you? I, uh, you and Bob Cobb. Um, I don't know what you mean by bagels. What what is a it? Bagel? Just goes with locks. Bagels just goes with locks. <laughs> okay, all right. I thought you you were looking. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the locks and and bagels according to the Corn Blue Index. Uh, <laughs> starting at the top, Alabama, A and M, Tennessee. Mm. Uh, I think Arkansas is in very good shape. Missouri's in very good shape. Auburn is in decent shape. That's six. Uh, Mississippi State, who I'll have next week, is on the proverbial bubble. That would be seven. Oh, I didn't even mention Kentucky. That Kentucky is they're, they're in. Hmm. So I, I think the SEC will. If I were to make a prediction on the number of bids today, it would be seven, six, seven, and you're skipping Auburn. With a thirty-three right now, you don't have Auburn. You don't think no, Auburn? No, I said Auburn. Did you say Auburn? I said Auburn. So that give them. Yeah. All right. So Alabama, A and M, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn. You think's in, and then Missouri, yep. Arkansas, seven, and Mississippi State. You see bubble. Uh, Mississippi State bubble. Mm-hmm. So Mississippi State could get in, but if they do get in, it might be at the expense of knocking out one of those other SEC teams in the SEC tournament. Mm. Okay. We thank you as always. Have a great night a great weekend go get yourself some locks and bagels somewhere at uh, a fine deli in atlanta and we'll I talk to that. you next week yeah it's good stuff All throw right. a couple of slices of red 
of red onion on there, nice slice of uh, uh-huh. tomato. Oh, yeah. It's nice stuff. That sounds scrumptious. I'm going to go grab one right now. It's good. Nothing like good raw fish. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yes. Okay. All right. See you. Mike Morgan, obviously never heard of a lox and bagel before. Not very, uh, not much of an international guy. If you haven't heard of lox and bagel, if you don't know lox and bagel, you don't, you're not very international in my eyes. Uh, thank you, Mike. Great as always.